0: Okay, I think it's recording. If it's not, you should have been here. Uh, Oh, give me a second. I'll get set up here. So Bob did say that you guys just went... Sorry, I'm going to back up here. I'm a bigger person. So um, you guys just went through Colossians. Is that correct? Okay, that is actually that is really great because it does work in to Philemon. So... There we go. So, if you would go ahead and open up to Philemon. um we will get started with that. So, this—he was right. This is my favorite book. So, going through HBI, I didn't even—I um, didn't even break it down or read it until then. So, uh, what I will do, actually, is I'll give my introduction. So, I am Brady Barnes. A lot of you know that. Um, I don't—I haven't seen you guys before, so it is nice to see you. I don't know your names, but. Um, we are usually part of the, do I? am Dan and that's uh, my daughter Tina. Dan and Tina. Well, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to see you. Um, we're usually part of the, uh, Passpoint class or we're in the children's ministry. So, uh, when opportunities like this come about to be able to go around and teach in different classes, I get to meet all the new faces that are part of HPF. So, it's great to see you guys. Uh, my wife who is not here, she is at home. Uh, she was not feeling good yesterday and, uh, one of our daughters... Was not feeling good this morning, so she could not be here today. Hopefully she'll be here next week. Um, as I just said, we're usually part of Passpoint. Uh, we've been part of HBF for s- almost eight years now. Uh, we went through D1 pretty quick and then to D2, which is a lot of uh, growth uh, opportunities that we have here at HBF. Had a lot of kids in between there. I think we we have five kids. I don't think I know. We have five kids and uh <laughs> four of them were just since we've started HBF. So they're all pretty young. Uh we did end up with a blessing of identical twins. So that's obviously that's <laughs> that's why we have two right out the gate. So um and then uh we were we were able to go through HBI or I was able to go through HBI. So in HBI it's like a it is like an institute but it's for Just in-house. There's no, it's not credited. It's, it's not through like, I don't get to go to Longview and say, hey, I went through HBA, HBI. They will have no idea what I'm even talking about. So, but it is great to go through because it's four years of straight knowledge. I mean, digging into the Bible, learning how to break down each verse, learning how to read, learning how to study, learning how to understand. Instead of just know it, you know, you can join ABFs and, you know, go to Brian's teaching every single week. And that's great for knowing the Bible, but, To fully understand and apply, you know, that's why we HPF has the opportunities of growth, which is the D1, D2, to help you to understand for application purposes. So uh, I do recommend that as uh, D2 actually starts, if you have not done it yet, it does start uh, Wednesday, but you have to go through Jason now. There's no more registration. I don't know if Bob ever said that or not. The um, registration is closed, but if you want to go through it, just talk to Jason personally and see if you can sign up. I do recommend it. We're going through it again. So uh, they did split it up into two years now instead of one. So it's an even slower pace, and I'm excited to really start it. So I do recommend that. Um, so I will go ahead and get started because I will hopefully get done in time. There's a lot to unpack here. And that is exactly why I love this book. Now, there's a lot of uh, Paul's epistles that have a lot of context, a lot of meaning behind what he's saying. But this book means a lot different because it's more, this is more of a a friendly love letter, like a brother to brother, like me writing Dave Branham, a love letter. You know, it's not anything like obviously sexual. It is just straight, the words that he uses, the, the verbiage that Paul uses, is strictly like just out of love, and that's what makes the difference. Like when he writes Timothy, Timothy's more of a personal letter as well. So now I'll look, I'll get into that uh, here in a minute. But I do want to say thank you for the opportunity to stand up here and teach. I have I do get to teach the men, but here you know we've had a lot of uh, men step up to do testimonies and stuff for the men's breakfast. So I have not actually taught in quite a while. So this is really good uh, for me personally it's growth, but um, it's also good for well, oh, just me. Sorry. <laughs> you get to stand, you get to listen to me babble. So, um, but, uh, this verse is only 25, or this, this chapter, obviously only one chapter is only 25 verses long. So, you're like, well, that's like an easy read. Well, that is one of the reasons why it is my favorite book, is because it's one, one chapter long. Um, but it is, there's a lot to it, and that's why I want to split it up into two weeks. I want to cut it right almost in half, and, really focus on the first half because without the first half you can't have the second half so i didn't want to just blow right through one chapter bob gave me an opportunity to do a couple of weeks so that's really good um so the first thing that we are going to cover is verses 1 through 14 and that is going to be the foundation and which a believer must have to be stabilized in Christ. So I split these up into two and of course as a Baptist we have like we have a thing with titles. Trying to make a match, you know, you do one F, you have to do the second one in F. You can't just make it all uh different words or whatever. I'm sure you've caught on to that with Bob or uh, Brian being up there and everyone else too. It's a Baptist thing. I don't I don't really know. We have a thing with titles. Um so the first one is is a foundation. So the first 14 verses that we're going to read this morning and go through is a foundation in which a believer must have to be stabilized in Christ. And then next week we're going to cover forgiveness in which a believer must have to acquire stability in Christ. And then we'll kind of break down those two to see what Paul... Once again, it's just 25 verses, but it is 25 verses that really coincide with Colossians actually because Philemon was written before Colossians and you'll kind of catch that with Paul's verbiage and where he is going with that so the first one we're going to cover this week is foundation and so I want to read the first 14 verses so we can kind of see what Paul is doing here verse 1 it says Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy our brother unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Octopus, a, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the, the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Verse 6, it says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledgment or acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. And verse 8 it says, Wherefore though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, or, yeah, convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was he unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy steed he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefits should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. So, I'm just going to cover the first 14. Hopefully we can get through them all today. There is a lot to really unpack here. Um, and I just kind of want to go by verse by verse, verse by verse, just to see what Paul is actually meaning with the verse. Cause you could just read over it and be like, I mean, this is what Paul said, but it's actually like, what is, what is Paul truly saying to Philemon? So a little background. Um, once again, if you read through all of Paul's epistles, uh we see a lot of his he has a he has an introduction paul has a special introduction that's why you can tell it's paul's epistles because for one he states it and for two it's who he's writing to and then it's uh, the third part is you really see his thanksgiving and prayer you see you see the prayer for the people that he is writing to just to let them know hey this is this is what we're praying for over you but i really want to explain to you what what it is so um If you look at, like, the, 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 the who, the who he is writing to is different than Philemon and Timothy. Philemon and Timothy, he is literally writing to one person. But, with the city of Rome, he's writing, or with the, yeah, with the city of Rome, he wrote in Romans, uh, the city of Philippi and uh, Philippians, the church of Galatia and Galatians, the saints of Ephesus and Ephesians, or the saints and faithful brethren of and Colossians. So you can see through, that's just a little bit of his um, his epistles. But you see that he is writing to groups. It's not just a single person. So when you write to a group, obviously I'm sure if anybody's written a letter or an email. Like I deal with a lot of emails at work. If I'm writing to a group of people, it's obviously going to look a bit, little bit more professional. Not as sloppy. I had to reread it a couple times just to make sure, you know, for one I didn't screw up. And for two, that it just, it sounds professional. But when you're writing to, like, if I'm writing an email to somebody personally, it's, it can be soppy, I don't reread it as many, it, depending on who it is, of course. If it's like an owner, that's a little bit of a different story. But if it's just like a fellow worker, I don't really, I like texting, I don't, I just don't really care what it says. You'll know, get the point across. So that's kind of what this is like. This is, like, there's certain things I can text somebody and be funny, and I wouldn't text that to a group because they, for one, wouldn't understand what I'm talking about because they have no idea who I am. And that's kind of how it is here. When he writes to the city of Rome in Romans, it's like he's writing to a whole city. You know, he's writing about the city of Romans. And Philippi, like I just gave you the list before. But when he writes Timothy, obviously Timothy you see a lot of in his, his epistles too, because Timothy is a fellow brother. He is a he's writing these with him. He's with him a lot in jail. Like they do a lot of whether they got in jail for dumb things or smart things, it doesn't matter, but they spend a lot of time in jail. Um but with this one philemon is completely different because this is like i said before this is more of a love letter from brother to brother and you can definitely tell with the way he is writing so um that. this is why i don't know why i write everything out is because i ad lib and then i find that i lose my spot so so we'll go ahead and dig right in we're gonna go we're gonna do uh the first three verses here are paul's intro and it says we read that Paul uses the words a prisoner of Jesus Christ so it says right here paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and once again Timothy our brother," which we'll cover that here in just a second um, and so we know that Paul is a physical prisoner in Rome, but this is not the context that he is meaning here and if you uh if you read it carefully it says a prisoner of Jesus Christ." well, if you look through his other- ep- uh epistles like um Like uh, Galatians, it says here, Paul, an epistle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. If you look at Ephesians, it says an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you look at um, Philippians... It says, "Paul and Timothy, is the servants of Jesus Christ," but none of them say a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and that's kind of what I want to cover. So, if you want to flip over to Genesis 45, we are going to do a little bit of flipping. So, kind of just leave your leave your hand back there where Philemon is. Genesis 45, and I love this story. Ultimately. Um, I, when I read this, I've been reading the Bible cover to cover, and when I started reading the Bible cover to cover, doing the men's teachings, um, God really uncovered a lot of little things that I was having issues with in my walk, in my home, and you know, and being able to relate to Holly, my wife, that you know, this is just what God is showing me, this is the the structure that we need to change. And if you read for uh, Genesis 45, is the story of Joseph, it's, it's the end of uh, Joseph's story. And we're going to start in verse 5, it says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. So if you know the story of Joseph, his brothers uh, really played hell in his life by selling him and doing all these things. But, Instead of being angry, what she says, be not grieved nor angry with with yourselves. So his brothers feel guilty because they got, you know, they they see this brother is finally alive, so they live with all this guilt for all these years. And now he shows face. He says, this, you know, don't be angry or uh, don't be angry or grieved with yourselves. Um, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. So Joseph has a perspective that nobody else has. Uh, that's mentioned in the Bible thus far. He's got the perspective that God has him and put him through all of these things for a certain purpose, for what he's, what he's got in store for. Him. And then verse 7, it says, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by the great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. That is a crazy perspective because obviously um, one thing I like to teach the men is that you know? there's going to be times where you are on the ground and you're face down and you have no clue what to do, and you think your situation is just the worst thing in the world. Why would God put you through it? But you got to change your perspective, and that's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph literally, you can read all of the story of Joseph, and I encourage you to, because it shows how, like literally he went through hell. Literally he was sold with bl- with blamelessness, with everything that he went through, was um, just, it would tear anybody apart but he 's got a, hu- a totally different perspective because he knows God's doing something in his life to grow him for what 's to come for tomorrow instead of yesterday and so that's one thing that Paul is doing here. He says paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ um, he is he, well, Paul knows that obviously with the stories that God has done in his life so far. He knows there is something coming. He knows that there's a reason he's in jail. He knows that he he, he just has that perspective. So he uses the word prisoner of Jesus Christ um, and not to Jesus Christ. So this is the part where I, I, this really opened my eyes. And I've studied this book out a lot of times to teach it or to outline it. And I just happened to catch that, you know, this week with being able to study it out. He doesn't use the word he doesn't use the words "a prisoner to Jesus Christ." so this is where I was like, well, that is kind of odd. you know I've listened to many sermons over the week of just this book alone, and each one of them had a different perspective and I and that's that's fantastic. Some of them weren't KJV, which makes it really hard to listen to and study because I'm studying the KJV, so nothing wrong with that. It's just if you're going to study a book I'll make sure you know you' if you listen to audio sermons. Just make sure you're listening to the right one because it can throw you for a loop. Um, just because of wordage and, and verbiage. And that's what Paul, that's why I love this book. A prisoner of Jesus Christ, not a prisoner to Jesus Christ. Because if it was to say a prisoner to Jesus Christ, well then you wouldn't, that eliminates all of our, our free will. Like we don't have, we don't have an option. Prisoner to is just stating that we have to serve Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no free will in there to get to serve Jesus Christ. Um... Yeah, saying of Jesus Christ gives us the opportunity to serve Him. Not that we, not that we have to, but we get to. And that's the perspective Paul is using. And we get to be, we get to be a, and I, I know you're thinking, well why do, why would we want to be a prisoner? Well why wouldn't you? Is the real question. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't Paul want Timothy to be a, a prisoner of Jesus Christ? It's, it's, that's, we get to serve not that we have to serve. And so that changes a lot of perspective with when we're reading, our daily reading, when we're doing any kind of studying. It's not that we have to do it. I didn't have to do all the studying and all the listening to stand up here and, and teach to you. I get to. It's, it's the whole change. And I, I can't think of how many times that I've stood around and said, I have to do this and I have to be in the children's ministry. I have to be a part of an ABF. I have, it's, it's all a, a word change. So, you know, have to and get to are two different things. To where, you know, prisoner of and prisoner to are two different things. It's the same perspective. So, um, moving on to the second part of it. It says, in uh, the word that he constantly uses is Timothy, our brother unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldiers. So, once again, you always have to pay attention to verbs always are words that he uses like our um, Paul has this with all of his epistles. It's the way he writes it. And so um, the word our in this context is this fellow brothers and sister in Christ. And, uh, and once again, I'll show you again here in a little bit where the word brother comes in. I use the word bro a lot. I don't know why. I'm just a 35 year old guy that likes to use the word bro like a surfer. I have no idea. It's just, that, uh, don't shake your head at me. Don't shake your head at me. So, but when the word brother comes into play, it's totally different. It means a whole another meaning and I will get to it here in just a minute. So, uh, moving on to verse, uh, verse two. Aphia is only mentioned one time in the Bible as well. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it's only mentioned in the one, uh, the Bible one time. And she is claimed to be Philemon's bride. It's not said anywhere in this book that that is Philemon's wife. So take that for what it is. That's just kind of what I what I've caught onto with studying um, is that she is Philemon's bride. And then Archippus is also believed Philemon, or to be Philemon and Aphia's son. Once again, it's not in this book. So I can't. I'm not going to stand up here and say, yeah, this is what it is. No, I'm going to tell you that's that's just my thought. The, just by studying it out and what I put two and two together. But don't take that to, you know, to whatever. Um, but he's mentioned two times in the Bible. And actually, you just read it last, uh, whenever you guys covered Colossians. If you want to flip, or actually, I got it right here. Colossians 4.17 says, And say, Archippus, take heed to the ministry that thou, thou hast received in the Lord, that or, uh, that thou fulfill it. So that tells me that he is a pastor. Or that he is the head of a ministry because it says it right there in Colossians, which Colossians, once again, was written after Philemon. So that's where he uses the word next with Archippus, our fellow soldier. Once again, it's all about wordage. Paul is bluntly telling you, if you dig, read between the lines, that he is a saved brother. And I, once again, I'll get into the word brother here in a minute, but it's, if you're, unless you're just reading over it, it says our brother, our this, our this, and fellow soldier. He's he's telling you that they are brothers and sister in Christ. Um and then verse 3 just ends with "...and the church in thy house. So this is one thing I really want to cover, but I'm going to cover it very quickly because time-wise I don't want to like run real late. But um so back in the day, obviously, back in that time there were, you know buildings churches were ran out of houses. Kind of like we do today when we we church plant like Clinton Was based out of a coffee shop or, um, all these other church plants that you hear of that they start in basements of houses. They start in living rooms of houses because there's only like one or two people or there's a group of people because it's a sending church. You know, there's a sending group with them. So that's, that is telling you right there that a church in that house, that's just how they met. That's how they, that's how they were there. But I really studied this out because I needed to know like, for my house today. Obviously I don't have a church in my house. But if you read 1 Corinthians three nine, It says for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So we understand that this is just a building. Like we keep it pretty. We vacuum it. We do all the stuff outside. Because we need. You know this. God bless us with a building to meet in. That's fantastic. Like could you pick one house for all of us to meet in? Probably not. It would be very packed. But. That's that's the thing is that we get this building to meet into, and then uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter two, a couple of books back. We're going to go twenty to twenty-two. Ephesians two it says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So in all context, we are the church. When we leave this building, we are the picture of Christ outside of these doors. And so this is just a place where we get to meet, where we get to be fed, where we get to be invested in. And no matter how many years you've been here, it's really we have, we are blessed with this building to get here. To have all this fit together, to have AC or heat. So all these things that we take for granted at home, we also have here. So, we are the church. We are, this is just a building. Um, We are to take biblical structure as it states in 1 Corinthians 11.3, which I will flip over there real quick and read that to you. Um, 11.3 it says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ." And the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So we know that, that we have a biblical structure that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians. Obviously, my structure at home is, is biblical. It is God first, and then, of course, it is my wife, and then my kids, and then my ministry. That's my structure. That's my personal structure, what I've gave, get gathered out of the Bible. My wife's structure is God, husband, children, ministry. Um, my kids should put, uh, at the top is always God. It says it right here. But every every man is Christ. Now you're going to get into a lot of people that that really tear that verse apart and say, well, she's not above me, I'm not above, just whatever. Just go off the the structure that Christ gives us and put God first. Everything else is your house. You do it what you want. As long as you put God first, everything else will go in order. Um, So we need to apply that into our homes. And that's the problem that I've I've faced over the last several years. Because my home is very busy. My home is very uh, chaotic is a good word to use so having structure in my home sometimes is not a thing it's not even a word but especially because i'm gone you know 50 or 60 hours a week at work so that leaves holly at home and then i'm home for the weekends but then we're trying to pick up and like this month like bob was an understanding we are busy this month like every weekend saturday sunday we're like double booked with everything we're never home um which is very annoying, because like Sundays I want my nap, <laughs> and Saturdays I wouldn't mind my my other nap. That would be fantastic, but which sometimes we just don't get that. And yesterday, you know, Holly stayed home. We had a birthday party to go to for my grandma, and it was really good to go to without Holly. To be honest, and I hate saying that, but I got to spend. For one, I got to take the kids out of the house so she can get some rest. Like first and foremost, you know, I, I serve God first when my wife is tired. My wife is worn out. Sometimes she just needs a day to herself. So, so Brady, you got five kids and you're in ministry. There are no naps. Yeah, well, (laughs) the good thing is my kids are at that age where they take naps. The girls, like that's the main thing. The twins, they take naps still. So praise the Lord. As long as they stay in that phase. And I have the other, the two older ones than that, I have them trained. That uh, when the girls go lay down for a nap, it's snuggle time. And guess what? They end up falling asleep too, or all of us. I don't really care, as long as there's some structure of a nap after church works perfect. (laughs) So yes, thank you for pointing that out. Our life is chaotic, but yesterday we got to go out, and I got to take the kids and be outside all day, and Holly got to stay home and rest and get some sleep. And, you know, it was great, because I got to spend one-on-one time with him, which doesn't happen very often. But that is the thing, is that God really had to implement the structure in my home he really had to show me through Scripture and show me through everybody else in the church that sometimes it's okay to not walk in the door with expectations. And that's a whole different kind of teaching that I won't get into for time's sake. But just know that you are the church and, and how, how your home is and whatever else you can think of. You know, being the church at work, being the church here, being the church there, really re- reflects your ministry and more importantly, it reflects your testimony. So you walk out of these doors and you're just the same person you were when, you know, before you got saved. Well, how well, how does that reflect your testimony? And why would, you know, if, if the the conversation of Christ comes up at your job, well, why would they believe anything you say if you're haven't changed? If you don't you haven't allowed God to change you, then well, why would they believe anything that you're saying? So it's not just words, it's also actions. It's our testimony. Um and then in verse 3 it says uh I'm not in the, in the book anymore. Hold on. Sorry. I was like, that's not what it said. Uh, verse three, it says, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, grace be to you and peace. So obviously we know that with, is with Christ. It says, uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Without those, without Christ in your heart, without salvation, you're just not gonna have grace and peace. There's no, there's, you're gonna be continuing to look for the world to fulfill Whatever, whatever it is that makes you happy temporarily. It's all temporary. But peace and grace with Christ is not temporary. That's eternal. So we get to, we get to have that. We just have to rely on it. Uh, moving forward, uh, we're gonna go through verse four through seven. It says, I thank my God making mention of you, the always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards Jesus Christ and all the saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the knowledge of every good thing which is in you, Jesus Christ. So, in that verse alone it says uh Paul is using the words effectual, if you caught on to that, um, which is defined as producing an effect or the effect desired or intended. Uh, having an adequate power of force to produce the effect. Then That definition was used with the 1828 thesaurus. So, um, Ephesians 3, seven says whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power so you're going to learn that it's not our power it's like I didn't get me where I'm standing at today that was because I had to be obedient and submissive to Christ and allow him to change my life because you know once again I'm not here without him I have to give him credit i I would still be that lost puppy dog, um you know with our structure all kinds of out of whack, and I don't even know where it would be at you know with the kids and all that stuff It's just I am where I am today because of christ and i and I fully believe that, and I will always stand by that. Uh, Ephesians 4:16 says, "From whom the whole body fitly joined together and completed, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the holy unto the edifying of itself in love." I once again, I am where I am today because of Christ. You have to give that credit. There's no way if you go around thinking that you're all puffed up because this is where you got yourself, then there is a major problem in in your walk and your perspective, because it's not you. Um, and it says, so we're going to go, uh, oh, sorry. It says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by the brother. So once again, we see the word brother, which I'm not going to dig into just yet. Um, and so now we're going to do the, or, uh, verse A it says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, join thee that which is convenient. Um, it's funny that he uses the word bold. To me, Paul is a very bold evangelist. Um, as you read in his other other epistles, you really see that he is just straightforward and um, it could be because he witnessed firsthand what Christ can do when he went from a Christ uh, Christian slayer to a Christian himself. That makes it like if you ever think that you're in a place in your life where God can't do anything for you, just remember that Paul killed Christians for fun. He did that for a career and yet God. Still stood in front of him and used him today to make Christians like how crazy like that just goes to show that obviously he used Paul a lot for different things, but that is that is a perspective i hear I do hear all the time like guys at work'll say oh i just i 'm not in the right place i i 'm too you know I right, walk into church i 'll catch on fire. that was always the one that made me laugh um, but it's like it doesn 't matter where you are where you 've been. I mean, it is your testimony. But that's what's great is because Paul can say, yeah, I used to kill you, and now I'm here to convert you. I'm here to plant those seeds to follow Christ. And, and, it's like, it's crazy. It's just crazy to me to, to wrap your head around that. Um, at least it is for me. So, um, oh, yeah. Um, so once again, this is, this is a letter to Philemon. And it's, it's Paul's emotions that he has with the epistles. His emotions are not one, he's not scared. Like that's what makes him bold. He's he not, he's, he's just, he's walking in spirit constantly. He you can, you know, I don't, obviously I don't know his original writings could be shaky because he was hesitant on what he was saying. I don't know that. This is just hyped. But, you know, just from the words that he uses, he, you know, I stood up here and I was nervous at first. Like you just don't see that with Paul's writings. You just don't see that. Because they saw firsthand, obviously Christ. Like if Christ stood in front of me before we walked in here. It would be really weird, <laughs> but um, you know, I, w- I don't know why I would stand up here and teach if He was standing in here. Like, but they got to see firsthand, so they got to see the work of Christ happen. Um, and it's all compassion and love. Uh, obviously, um, without compassion and love, that you have no empathy. You have no empathy, so you can't relate to things. Like my uh, my brother is the opposite. I have a twin brother as well. So my twin brother is the opposite of me in every retrospect. Every spectrum you can think of, the only thing that we have the same cheeks. That's how you can tell we're related. That is about it. He's a lot shorter. He's a lot heavier. Um, He is is just his personality is different than mine. Like we are nothing alike. So he works in a funeral home, and he sells like, you know, like grave plots and tombstones and stuff. He doesn't deal with the, the bodies physically, but he deals with the families who are still alive. So that's emotional. My brother has a very unique, unique gift to shut off his empathy. He has this ability to just, like a light switch, he, he can walk in the door at work and not be empathetic towards anybody at all. And then he can walk out the door and just carry that whole burden because, you know, eventually it's gonna, it's gonna weigh you down, obviously. Just like any job is going to weigh you down, but he just has that ability. I don't have, I'm very, a very empathetic person. Um, I can relate to people on every level possible and, and, you know, just put myself to where they are. And he has that ability to not do that. Paul is very empathetic. Paul is, he, he's, gets on your level to write to you and to say things that you need to hear. And obviously we know, that this is the living word for a reason. We know that no matter... Once again, I've studied this book out of many times, and studying it out this time showed me a whole different perspective. Because it's I'm a different person now, and I'm at a different spot than I was the first time I studied this. And so, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on, just for time's sake. I want to get to the best part of this this first introduction. It says, verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. So Onesimus is uh, a runaway slave. He did... He was uh, Philemon is the slave owner, so back then, of course, Christians could own slaves. Um, but Onesimus was a runaway slave, and uh, we know that because whom I have begotten in my bonds. So Obviously, if you're a slave, um, you don't get to go on vacation. So how would Paul? How would he get into Paul's bonds in Rome when you know he's supposed to be with Philemon? So he's obviously a runaway slave, and then you could tell by verse. Um, Oh, I messed myself up here. So, verse... Oh, first 18, it says, If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee ah, to put that on mine account. So, that tells me that he stole from Philemon, and then he, not only did he run away, which is a, is a, uh, punishable by death, but he also stole from him. So, obviously, Onimus Onesimus is like, I am not going back. <laughs> because, I, this is, that's like, just sign your own death warrant. So that's another like the first the second part of this book is we're going to cover the forgiving, but this part is our foundation. That's why I enjoyed going through these verses is because a foundation it takes application. So the foundation of a, a believer is to um to know who Paul is talking to. Paul is talking to the believers and to having. The hearing of the love and faith. And then, you know, we have many verses in here that we can apply to our lives today. I just explained and gave you illustrations of how God has really implemented these things into my life. A structure, especially. Like, structure was number one that needed to happen because my house was going astray. There was a lot of things that Satan was getting into, and we were allowing him. And that really affected my home, even going through HBI. No matter what ministry you're in, you're always vulnerable. Like, don't ever think just because you're you're rocking, reading every day, and and going through d2 and going through all these things that something's not going to happen to you because that is very false. Um in my mind like the way I, I like to tell people is if you're not being attacked then what are you doing for Christ? You're always going to be attacked no matter what you're doing. Uh studying this out there's a lot of things that happened just this week. You know, if you're never being attacked then what are you doing for Christ? Then you got to ask yourself that. Well, nothing's really happened. I'm you know, my life's great. Then that's that's to be honest with you, that's a, that's a problem spiritually, because if you're doing something for Christ, then you're always going to be attacked. Satan hates that, and so we really learn from Onesimus' story here that no matter, once again, no matter where you are, well I just said that with Paul. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, there's always a way that God will will grasp you when that time is, you know. And and um, as a lost person, you're like I'm. I'm never going to do anything to to help Christ or His kingdom or church people. You know, some people go to church just to make themselves feel better, which is, you know, you do you. I'm not judging you. You know, God will... You walk in the door, that's fantastic. That's a huge step as a lost person, just to walk in the door. At that point, it's like, let God, you know, obviously don't hound them, but... Let let God take a hold of them. Let God do it in His timing and not our timing, which is a whole another teaching that I wish I could get into, but I can't. Um, so, uh, verse ten is uh Onesimus. Onesimus is mentioned one other time, and this is another reason why I can put two and two together that Philemon was written before Colossians. Is uh, Colossians four nine? It says, "With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who was one of you." They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So once again, back to the word brother. I use the word bro all the time, but when it's used, it's a term of endearment. I don't know why it's slang. It's dumb, but I catch myself doing it a lot more than I used to. And the, but the word brother is a brother in Christ. That is like David is my brother and every male in here is my brother and all you are my sisters with salvation in Christ. That is the, that is how Right here, this ties into verse ten. That's why he put that in there. He's wanting you to know who Onesimus is. And then, if you study it out, you can actually go back and look at it. Well, how you know when's the first mention of Onesimus? So we all know that the books of the Bible are not written in order. They're all you know they're they're yet to. I couldn't tell you how you know which ones are in order, but I can tell you now the way it's written here is not in order. So every book didn't happen as it's written in, in here. But if you, like I said, if you go back and you read the first mention of Onesimus, which is technically Colossians, that's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. First mentions, especially with names, or, or different words like our or brother, if you look up the first mentions, that's huge. That it, and a lot of them obviously come in as, you know, small words like of. Look up the first mention, mention of, of, it's gonna be in Genesis 1. Okay? But if you look up different names, like Onesimus was first mentioned in Colossians, and it's, a or as i already told you that's with a faithful and beloved brother so that tells me that he is plowing the fields for like the paul's philemon's letter here obviously we'll read in the second half of it that it was it took hold you know paul obviously philemon forgave him or it could have been the fact that colossians was on the way i don't know these things because i was not alive then i just know by reading this book so once again it's take it for what you want um and if you have the answer, great. Please tell me and show me where that's at, because I would love to know if how this played out, and I'll be able to ask my one day, like, bro. See, once again, bro. Like, dude, did you forgive him, or you know, what did what did, what all happened there? Like, what did you say? You know, just cool things like that. Um, but um, hold on, sorry. Once again, I ad libbed and I went through a whole lot of stuff here. Uh, so this is what we call a divine appointment, and the verse ten is a divine appointment. So we were in Boston a couple weeks ago, and we got—I I literally got to witness firsthand, plus many other times. And I have many testimonies to witness to that—that that we got to see divine appointments happen. There, I'll give you one story. We went part of one of the girls from Mike um, Mike Blake Mike Renault's team uh, that went with them happened we like we were standing there at a team serving lemonade it was very hot in boston and we were serving lemonade to the people walking on campus and this girl walks up who's indian so a lot of the indian culture is there she was indian and uh i think it was jeff i want to say jeff Bartel. it was one of the jeffs that was standing there next to me from new philly ohio and he goes out and he just walks to, you know he talks to her he's like hey, you want a lemonade it's free it's cold it was hot out and he's like, then he gave her a, we were there for a big meeting, which I can go into that testimony later. But this girl kind of, you could see her physically stepping back away from Jeff. Obviously, he's an older man. He looks like he's a father of a person on campus. Not to be on campus talking to, you know, teen, you know, <laughs> 18 year olds. So obviously, you got that's why he stood back with me. Um, but she just kept physically stepping away from him. Like it was, I can, I can, I can imagine that. It's uncomfortable. You're talking to some old dude and then some other bearded dude standing right here next to him. It just doesn't, sometimes it just makes you uncomfortable. So one of the, the ladies just randomly walks up just out of nowhere. Like they went to go park her car with Brian and then she just randomly walks up. And it's like a 20-minute conversation with this girl. She felt more comfortable. The girl, You know, it was girl to girl. It was it just made her more comfortable. So then she was more open to the gospel and to what we had going on while we were in Boston. And then so this big meeting happens, right, with the, it's called Friends of Internationals. Well, she's an international, and she's like, you know what, I think I'll go to this meeting. It's just all the different co- uh, international students just coming together from all the different colleges to have friends. And so this meeting happened. She brought 20 people with her to this meeting. Like, that's great, because obviously the Indians, they sleep seven to a room, eight to a room. So they're all like, they don't they can't afford separate dorms. So they just stick together. That's their culture. They stick together, and they they just hang out, and they make things more comfortable. Yeah, she brought 20 of her friends. So now you're telling me that God didn't let Brooke walk up at that exact moment that you think that she, you know, and, and it might have. But the way it played out was that Brooke walked up at the right time. And Brooke held a conversation with her, giving her the gospel, you know, just inviting her, being friendly. And the girl shows up the next day with 20 of her friends who needed other friends because they're all first-year students. That's a divine appointment. That is something that Brooke was where she needed to be. All of us at that moment were included in a moment that we were supposed to be at. Those are all divine appointments. This is Paul's divine appointment with Onesimus. It wasn't. It, it wasn't coincidence that Onesimus just happened to be in jail with Paul and, and Timothy. It just. It, none, there's no such thing as coincidence. Let me just throw that out there. But. It was a divine appointment. So verse 11 says, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. (coughs) My favorite verse in the Bible. My ultimate favorite verse. And I really wish, I mean, I could have literally done a sermon. Once again, there's a lot of sermons here, but I could have done that one by itself on one verse. And I have before. Because it's a huge part of my testimony. Onesimus was, now the word Onesimus, the name Onesimus means profitable. So that's it's kind of once again it's one of those little nuggets in there that God gives you once you study it out, you get to know the names and you get to know the meanings behind things. Um, unprofitable is every lost person in in the world there and no matter if you've been going to church for all your life, you've been a really good person you've helped out so many people. if you don't claim salvation, you are unprofitable. Um, that whole term is huge. Because everybody's like, oh, you know, faith by works and not by salvation. It eliminates all of that because you are unprofitable. You're not profiting his kingdom as a lost person. just not going to happen. And that's what it states right here. It says, which in time past was the unprofitable. He used past tense. Unprofitable was a past tense word. He was unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. That is Onesimus' salvation verse right there. Um, and that was, that was huge in my life to even read that, to study it. I love that verse because it plays a huge part. We're, we're all unprofitable at one point in time. We're all born unprofitable. Um, there's millions of babies born today that are just born unprofitable. You know, they, they might profit your house, but they don't profit God's kingdom. So you can't really use the word profit. Um, so from a peer- a spiritual perspective, of course, um, we uh, once again, we we're all born unprofitable and will remain that way until the day we announce our salvation, and not only put God in our hearts, but also put Him ahead of everything else that I mentioned before in First Corinthians eleven three. That's our structure. You have to put Him at the top for everything else to happen accordingly, uh, and decently in an order. And then, um, and once again, lost people have no way of profiting His kingdom. And the time, as the time grows closer for Christ to come, we see that the world is becoming darker day by day. I mean, we see that the. I just I feel for my children, I really do. Even though as a believer, I know Christ is coming back, but my kids still have to grow up here physically, and it hurts to see what they're growing up into. You know, the twins are going to be four, and it's like, I mean, yeah, you guys can grab the grab the world by its saddle, but it still sucks to have to to like what I went through was I thought was rough, but it's like it was so much easier. <laughs> Life was so much easier then than it is now. Cause you have no clue, like. To be honest, I'm going to throw this out there, that I'm really glad that God lined up my, my wife the way he did. Because I could not imagine dating in this day and age. <laughs> because um to put it bluntly, you don't know what or who you're talking to. Because of all the identities, all the, all the different things. There's cat, you know, cat litter stalls going in schools now. I've heard of, I heard a couple, somebody was telling me that yesterday, that Lee Summit has like different schools, uh, one of the Lee Summit schools. None? Yes. About it cool i had a friend tell me that her friend was moving because of it oh he said that wasn't well true. praise the lord so. praise the lord there's still kids peeing on floors because they think yeah. they're a cat but at least there's no cat litter um i just you can ask me about that later but <laughs> it's truly like okay I, I once again it's bold but what do you do how do you train a dog when they pee on the floor what do you do with the cats when they pee on the floor what do you do I was raised to rub their nose in it you'd see me walk that's why I'm not a teacher because I was legit you want to you want to identify i'm going to rub your nose in it that's how you train an animal so that's why that's why I'm not a principal so um, but to, to to move on uh we are to be the light in the world, and we can't do that without salvation because we don 't have Christ in us so you can have Christ in just claim salvation second corinthians four four says in whom the God of this world satan um hath blinded the minds of them that which believe me lest the light of the glorious gospel of christ who is the image of god should shine unto them that right there splits it into two with unprofitable is you know you are serving the the god of the world which is satan and then once you claim salvation you are serving christ through the gospel of christ and, and Then then you are able to shine unto the people who you were to the unprofitable um and then once again, until salvation, you unknowingly serve Satan. Your works, your good heart, your, your intentions, you, you have no value towards the eternity unless you proclaim the Word of God in your heart and your life. Um, and then we see the the rest of the chapter how Mismas allowed Christ to change His way of living. He was forgiven for being a thief, mentioned once again in verse 18. And more importantly, mentioned as a brother, which we already dug into again in verse 16. It says, now not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. That proves that he was unprofitable and is now profitable because Paul used his words. It is, he was, he now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. Um... And once again, we can go back to the, the, the first mention of Onesimus, uh, faithful and beloved brother. And, and then one of you. So it's all about words. You, when you, when you study out a book to teach and do anything else with it, or you just want to know, there's nothing wrong with cross-versing. Cross, cross using a bunch of cross-references because the Bible tells a story of itself using other books of the Bible. You know, that's the living word. So, um, so wrap it up here in just a few minutes, we'll go ahead and go back through the verse twelve through fourteen, and it says, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy steed he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. And then but without in the mind, thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as if it were necessity, but willingly. Um, this is the verses Paul is using to build up Onesimus' return. So obviously Paul is writing. He already wrote this letter. And Onesimus is carrying it back to Philemon. I don't know if they had ravens. I know they didn't have U.S. mail. I know they didn't have like UPS, FedEx. Um, so how do you get a letter from one way to another? You carry it and you walk. <laughs> so um, better use some good ink so it doesn't fade or go through your sweat. So... uh this is Paul getting testimony of the life-changing decision that Ole Miss Mis made while, while being with Paul. And once again, we don't know why or how these two came together, but never lose focus on your divine appointments or our perspective. Those are the two things that you really need to keep, keep an eye on because when you start losing perspective, you start losing the perspective, oh, this happened. Like if you have a divine appointment and you don't realize it, like that's, that's a that's a problem. It's like those are really tugging on your spirit strings. You know, the God that dwells in you just gave you a moment. Usually, I can tell you now that it, that those moments you get, you just get cold, you cold chills, because there's no other explanation to why this is happening without Christ making it happen. Like it, it just doesn't happen on my own. But I'm put. I was obedient to go to Boston for that moment. It could have been just for that moment. I have no idea. But I was obedient when God called me to go. And then I was I was able and I get to stand there and listen to or watch a divine appointment happen and then watch her show up and see it all unfold. That could have been the whole reason I went to Boston in the first place. I I don't know. I can't answer that question. But to wrap this up, the first 14, 14 verses, well, actually it's the first 11. I really wanted to get through the first 11, but if I did all 14, that kind of gave you context a little bit of what's coming on next week. Um, and to give you a cliffhanger cuz I love I love cliffhangers. So, uh but we covered the foundation of a uh, as a believer. We know that we are all to understand that we were born unprofitable but now are profitable to thee and to me. So we have to have that foundation. We have to have that structure and Paul gives that to us right here. We have to apply these things in our life to have what's coming up, which is forgiveness. And I will kind of go through that um Next week to, to know how big of a role forgiveness plays in our life and, and towards our walk. So I will pray real quick and then we will head out. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Just thank you for this opportunity to teach. Thank you for the class to, um, just sit and listen to me babble. Lord, it's just your gospel, but it's, it is your gospel and it is just what you have shown me through the book of Philemon. Lord, I pray that I explain it thoroughly. And I pray that I was able to expound on what You wanted me to expound on. And I pray that we could take that out of these doors and just take it home with us. And I know it's really played a role in my life at home. And I am just thank You for the opportunity to stand up here and to express that and, and to express the illustrations and laugh about them, but to know that You are truly doing something in each and every one of our lives. And I pray that we can capitalize on that and be profitable to Your kingdom. And to just have the foundation that our house is built upon, and our spiritual structure is built upon, because with a with a foundation, you just don't allow us to fall. And when we do fall, we can easily build ourselves back up on that sound pen, uh, same foundation. But pray, Lord, that we have that foundation to take with us and to continue to just live this life of uh, for you and your kingdom, Lord. And I just thank you for the rest of today. Pray for Brian as he can get up there and preach, Lord. And all the activities that are going on uh, just inside this building, Lord, uh, just pray for the events and pray for the busyness. And, you know, the doors are always open. People are always busy doing something. And I pray that you can just allow us to continue to strive for your kingdom and not be weary or weak. But you just give us the strength and energy to continue pushing forward. And we thank you and we love you. Amen.